0: Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Shelly. And joined with me today is actually two very handsome co hosts. But most importantly, let's start with my number one guy, Serge
0: Boudreau. How are you, Serge? I'm doing so well. And Shelly, I don't tell you enough that I appreciate you so much. (laughs) You always boost my confidence. Thank you, Serge.
1: How absolutely adorable. Just a little uh, love fest here. I'm, I'm just like
0: buttering you up. So when we go into the topics, your guards are down. So mm. I can just dig in deep. But uh, Psychological no, tricks. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'm very excited to introduce our guest co-host who has been on the show before. Everyone in Canada knows this gentleman. He is the guru of the Canadian Recruiter Networking Group. He is the jack of all trades in the recruitment space. He has an HR True. tech company. He has a nature mm-hmm. recruitment consulting company. He has a recruitment staffing company. The guy does it all. Drum roll, please. D- <laughs> Will Van Minneport. What's going on in your world? We haven't talked in a little bit. What's new?
2: Right. A lot, man. Um, yeah, like you said, I do a lot of things. And sometimes I don't even know what I did yesterday and what I need to do tomorrow. But... Um busy with a really cool marketing um, tech platform company that is going through a merger with another company. So I assist them with setting up the talent acquisition side, building their program, which is really cool to do, which mm-hmm. is part-time. It's nice to get out of the agency side a little bit and really bring that knowledge into a real company. Hey, I'm actually contributing to big growth. Besides, I've got some other clients. The Canadian Recruiter Networking Group, definitely my passion. I just... See things that are happening there. And then I got lucrative, of course, that will always be my little baby that I still want to push forward. And I still need to convince Shelly one day why it's such an <laughs> awesome platform. But we'll get there. You'll see it down the road on like the stock exchange or whatever. But that's it. <laughs> Do you have a vision
0: board that you work on? Is that part of your whole philosophy?
2: Absolutely. I'm like one of those people. You know what? I created a vision board uh, probably four years ago. It's still the same one. So maybe I should change my numbers a little bit on there. but. In that sense, I actually do have one. It says, what do I want to build on an annual basis? What should my day look like? What is wow. my passion? And it's like really cool. And you guys, luckily, you guys can see it, right? Like, I'll actually oh, show
1: Listen, it? Listen, audience. He's, yeah, it, it really uh, is an actual physical board.
0: So, Will, I was kidding. I I was just <laughs> kidding when I said that you had a vision board. But I do up comes the vision board with the pictures and the goals. And he's got that. it at the ready. Exactly.
2: Who right? <laughs> like knows? you? At his How can your tips? And like, it's like and four I'm... feet by four feet. And then I got to show you this for those of you like that can't see it. I just posted about it. It's actually says stuff I need to get done today or the world will explode or you will have to move things to tomorrow's list. And it's actually my daily planner. It's actually <laughs> things I have to get done.
1: Oh, by the way, everyone, it's paper.
2: Oh, it is. I and I it's have a paper. fountain pen
1: and a like, fountain you're not going to believe
2: it. I like I'm such a nerd, I know, but this is how I live my life. So <laughs> Well,
0: kudos to you to have a vision, to have a plan to yep. execute on it. I know how much you have going on so having a way to organize yourself I I guess I'm going to have to do a vision board really soon it's not something that I was planning to but I can't have will have one and not me so
2: hey I'll host a session on the Canadian recruiter network group how you can do it so let's all get some magazines scissors and tape
0: (laughs) I love it I love it I, I didn't picture you as a scrapbooker but um Uh, Amazing. You're quite the crafter. We have some very interesting recruitment insights this week. So Shelly, we're going to start with your recruitment insight. Mm
1: -hmm. I've had a lot of discussions lately around whether or not an employer should be posting right on their job ads, vaccination required. And can you do that? Because employers are wondering, okay, What's my responsibility? We know first and foremost that safety trumps privacy because it's one thing to ask on your job posting that applicants must provide proof of vaccination or ask them to prove that they're vaccinated as part of the rehiring process. But now what do you do? And I am talking about employers asking questions that are not in the healthcare space because in the healthcare space, it is a bona fide occupational requirement that you have certain vaccinations, even outside of COVID. So the question really was, if you are hiring, can you put on your posting, you must provide proof of vaccination? That's one thing. Sure, you can do it. But how are you going to handle it when people say, "Um, no, I'm not vaccinated? And can it become an issue that I'm not vaccinated I disclosed I'm not vaccinated. That's why you didn't hire me. Now, where does that sit in the Canadian Charter of Rights? Where does that sit in occupational health and safety? Are you discriminating against someone because of their choice? So discuss gentlemen who'd well, like to take this on
0: we're not going to discuss you're going to give your opinion first and then we'll discuss you're not going to get away with just introducing the topic and oh, sh- leaving us to get the shit on it so okay. you give your opinion okay. then we'll okay so jump here's in.
1: here's my thought my thought is you absolutely can say vaccine proof of vaccination required for this you absolutely can yeah. because we now have if you want to go have a beer you have to show who a total stranger your medical proof that you've been vaccinated. So can an employer do it? I would say yes you can. And because you are hiring someone new into the organization and you have to already have the policy in place that say all employees must be vaccinated. I do believe that someone will very shortly challenge this to say that they were discriminated against in the hiring process. But from what I understand safety will trump all if you are not vaccinated and everyone else in your employee population is vaccinated and you require them to be on site. But the implication, of course, is how you handle those who now have decided, I'm going to take a position, I'm an anti-vaxxer, and I'm going to make a point or make an example of this employer and see where the law takes us. Because as of right now, There is no case law on this. And if you ask any lawyer, they are going to stumble because they are trained from day one to point to case law. But there isn't any.
2: So, Will, what's your thoughts? This is going to be an interesting one, Shelley. For me, there's a lot of sides to all of this. I do believe that safety trumps privacy. Absolutely. In a sense. And I also believe there's a lot of different visions on what this actually is right now. What is COVID? And we can have a big discussion about that, whether you believe it or not. I do believe that some people have the anti-vaxxer belief because of their religious beliefs. And that is one of the human rights acts. Okay, people, you can't judge people on their religious beliefs. So we are dividing the population right now with telling people you have to do this because of that regulation that we have in Alberta right now. You have to show this, you have to show that to get somewhere. And then secondly, now an employer is going to say vaccination required. You're segregating the whole society. You're pulling people apart. And so for me, it brings in the whole, what is DE&I in this whole conversation then? Like we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like it goes further than that. That's what I feel. So, so I think you, you s- can't just say, yes, it's it's fine. I don't think it's fine.
1: So, So let me make this clear. The question is, can employers put on their job posting vaccination required if they are a non- healthcare related. And so here's the difference. It is not treading on anybody's charter of rights because it wasn't mandated by the government. The government has made this the responsibility of the business. And that is why nobody can pull the card that you're trumping the Canadian charter of of rights. You're not because the government didn't mandate it. All they've done is they've forced the responsibility onto the employer. So my question is, not a debate around VAX, yes or no. But what from the employer side, if if you do put that on your job postings, what are the implications? Serge, you are dying to jump in on this. And I'm dying to hear what you have to say.
0: I, I have a lot to say. So <laughs> to answer your question initially. Yes, they have the right. Obviously, we're all on the same page. Safety trumps privacy, but I don't really think it's affecting privacy in so many ways. So this is a very small minority of people that feel this way. And that small minority... Feel what way? Sorry. As far as the anti-vaxxers or people that are very hesitant to get the vaccine. So we're talking about not 50-50, we're talking about 20%. So that 20% is risking the lives of the 80%. There's a couple of things when it comes to infectious disease, and I am not an expert, so please correct me if I'm wrong. This virus spreads and it's extremely contagious. The Delta variant is more contagious than the chickenpox as far as how quickly that spreads. Guess what? We don't see the chickenpox anymore. Do you know why that is? People Everyone's are vaccinated. vaccinated. Exactly. Yeah. So the only so, way we will get out of this is with 93% of the population vaccinated. Right. If we are not vaccinated right now, we are going to live with this forever. So okay. that 20% no, no, no I'm not done. 20% of the population is going to work mm. in possibly infecting people because like the vaccine doesn't stop infection, it does reduce the risk. Of dying from it, yeah. Of dying it from it, Uh of getting it. We know in the ICU, 98% of people are unvaccinated. So if I'm an employee and you're going to tell me I need to go into the office and the other people are not vaccinated and are not protecting me, that is a bigger threat than having someone say, I'm going to bring you to court because I have my rights that are not based on any facts or how infectious diseases work at all.
1: Okay, so... We're crossing the bridge here, though, because you're now crossing over into an existing employee and vaccination requirement, backing up the bus here. My question is around recruitment. (laughs) And when you are hiring new people into your organization and you are saying proof of vaccination, no different than a drug and alcohol test, no different than skill test, you must provide proof of vaccination. So if I'm interpreting what you just said, Serge, you're saying it's not going to have the same effect as DE&I statements. Like it, it's not because it's such a small percentage of the population that will say, I'm not going to apply for that job because they require uh, proof of vaccination and I'm, I've chosen not to. So yes. you are now choosing not to apply to that job. But the implications for recruitment, we, you believe there is not going to be a backlash. In other
0: words, 20% of your candidates just dropped. 20% is a very vocal 20%. I'll I'll give them that. Mm -hmm. But you can't choose what color of skin that you have. You can't choose if you're gay or straight those are real dni issues you yes. can choose to get vaccinated or not to be able to go to work so i think that's but where But to be clear
2: to be clear dni is not just about color or your sexual orientation dni is way broader than that and i think we sometimes miss that point where it is about someone's choice as well about certain things it is about like what? religious beliefs like this dni is also about religious beliefs i want to go back to the question that Shelley is asking first can you do it And the answer is yes, you can. You can definitely ask for it. Absolutely. I personally don't agree what Surge says, that there's not going to be a backlash about that. Because I know that even if it's a small percentage, people will start talking about that. Those people are very vocal and will say, you are discriminating me based on the fact that I have my human rights to decide whether I want to be vaccinated or not. So I think something will come back and there will be A case law, eventually, maybe five years from now, we can say, this is what happened back then. So again, going back to the question, yes, they can ask for it. Do I think it's not going to have a backlash? I think it will. Unfortunately, I do think that some people are going to take it to the extent of actually suing for the fact that they have their beliefs. And like you just said, it's not mandated by the government. And organizations need to have a process in place in order to show certain things, in order to let people in. So in a sense, there is a mandate from the government to those companies to follow those rules. If you don't follow those rules, there's a fine um, if you don't do it. So I think, sadly enough, I do believe people will challenge this and will go to court and will make a big fuss about that because their beliefs is not the same as many people that say, I get vaccinated because I want to protect myself and those around me. And currently, if you put on there and you say vaccination is required, you don't provide any other system. You could also say, if you're not vaccinated, you need proof of a clear test that there is in place right now. For example, go to an event, a PCR test. If you want to work in the office, you want this job, you either get your proof of vaccination or get tested you show every us days every test every three days. Every te- every three days. <laughs> and that's an option that you then provide. But now it's like you either do the vaccination or you can't even apply. So
0: let's move on to the next recruitment insight, which is a lot lighter. So, I thought this was interesting because we talk a lot about, so working from home, coming back to the office, and obviously coming back to the office has been delayed for a a ton of companies, but eventually we're going to get back to the office, right? And some companies will, some don't, but we have all this office space everywhere. Companies are going to try to start pushing people to go back to the office. And there Mm -hmm. is... Uh, a fairly large segment of the population. I know we talk a lot about people that just want to work from home. They've gotten used to it, but there Mm -hmm. is still a fair amount of the population that wants to go into the office. And the data shows the 20 to 30 year olds, a majority want to go back in an office. Mm -hmm. What I was reading and thinking was interesting. I never had this perspective. Is the office ever going to be the same? So, We know there's going to be hesitancy and reluctance from a lot of people in different age groups, vaccinated, unvaccinated. It goes back to our our conversation. It's never going to be the same. And I think a lot of people going back in the office that are very excited to go collaborate, (laughs) spend more time. And the question has been asked before, would the iPhone been invented if everyone was working from home? And I think the answer is no, in my opinion. If we look at those people that are excited to go back in the office and they go back and it's half empty, there's just not the same collaboration. There's a little bit of separation of the people and how you put people in meeting rooms, like all these things that we don't know what it's going to look like. What's your thoughts, are those people going to be very disappointed because the culture and the ambiance in an office is just never going to be the same, or maybe it will, but it's going to take a long time. What's your take on that?
2: First of all, to to make a bold statement, it's never going to come back to normal because normal Change. is changing. <laughs> Everything is like uh, changing, right? So the biggest thing for that is it's all about expectations and it's about managing expectations. I get that people want to get back to the office. let's be clear. I've been working from home since 2007. Um, Me too. Sure, I've done some contract work in between where I worked in the office and I loved it for a few months. And I'm like, I'm so happy I'm back at home. And if I want to go out and meet with people, I'll do it. But it's funny because I can talk to everybody over a screen or go to a pub. But, like, working in an office just feels very secluded. So I'm not that person that's so excited to go back into an office. Some people like that because that's their social interaction. And I hope that people can come to terms with the fact that the age and and everything that we are dealing with, that's where we're living in. So if you can come to terms with that and understand that you're not going to hug your colleague, you're not going to stand by that water fountain, take that water and be like, oh, there's germs on it. If you're going to be like that, then please don't go back to the office. Sad part is not everybody has the choice. So how do employers, maybe that's not a question as well, how do employers manage that? How do you manage as an employer to say, you have to work in this retail store because we need you here physically. We can't just let customers go in, but it's not going to be the same. What do you do about managing that? What is the expectation there? And do you get people excited?
0: I I don't think that has changed. If Mm -hmm. we look, and I think I'm very targeted to the office workers, because if you're in retail, you're in retail, that will be very similar. Obviously, when I say similar in the new world, because mass
2: everything we've talked about before. Yeah.
0: But if you look at the demographic of people that are under 20 to 30, that we need to be out, we need to be socializing with other people, it's going to be a shift for them going back into the office. And there's going to be a reluctance from everyone else. How are they going to adapt? Are they going to be disappointed? And they might be in three years from now, they're just used to the new reality. Everyone's happy. There's still socialization. But I don't know how you feel, Shelly.
1: I thought about this a lot. And I think the biggest adjustment. We've got this romantic memory of what it was like to be in the office. And then you go back and realize what a shit show it really was all the backstabbing and the politics, but all that aside, here's what I think is going to be the biggest change is the amount of disruption. Because now if you have the sniffles, you better stay home. Mm -hmm. Whereas Mm -hmm. before It was like a badge of honor to come in. Like you, your nose is running and you're sneezing, I'm so sick, but I dragged myself into the office. Now you will be a pariah if you come into the office sick. So the disruption of I was supposed to meet with somebody yesterday who's now going to be out of the office for the next two weeks. That is probably going to be the hardest thing. Is if you mandate everyone back in the office because you need them there for collaboration or whatever. I think the biggest unexpected surprise is going to be when you've got five people out with a cold and they're not logging in on zoom. Whereas before when we all were working remote, if I had the sniffles, take a Tylenol, <laughs> have a hot shower, take a sinus medication and get on. the. Don't
2: you think that is going to change though, because of all of this, that people will now with the sniffles still log in on zoom to do their meeting, maybe not be online for eight hours a day where before It's sorry, I'm calling in at 8 a.m. I'm sick. Now it's, hey, we're so expected to be online all day, every day, that people, when they don't feel well and they're like, this is such an important meeting, I just can't miss it. I think people, this is like a very bold statement, but I think people have been abusing sick time before COVID. And I think because of COVID, people are maybe a little bit more, hey, I can also do things from home and I don't have to be physically present to do something.
0: Yeah. And it's a really good point when I'm exactly on the same page. I think the difference, and if you think a lot of employers is if you're sick, you weren't coming in, you didn't have your computer, you didn't have a laptop. So now everyone has a setup that they can actually work from home. But the one big factor of working from home, and I know for me is I've been sick. Way less because the office is such a spreader the of germs, germs. <laughs> right? Especially if you think about it, like the yeah. open office has been the new trend for the last ten years, especially in the oh, tech. Twenty-five space.
1: years for sure. Yeah, it, and yeah, it's,
0: it's the good. worst. Like mm-hmm. I hate working in a desk where literally there's no barriers. The person is right next to me. There's so many yeah. things yeah.
2: pulls the lunch food out and they eat at that desk, and you're like, "What did you create last night, man? Uh, I like, know. Seriously, get out. Broccoli." Last night's
0: broccoli. So, Will, on an even lighter topic, how about you introduce your recruitment insight?
2: These recruiter networking events started a few years ago, really all about getting people together and collaborating in an industry. And Kim Wilkinson spoke about that recently as well. Why do you want to work with a recruiter? But more often I hear with so many roles open, like I'd say, yeah, it's crazy to even see how many recruiters, talent acquisition partners are needed for organizations right now. How come that we still have such a negative perception about recruiters? And what I mean is, I see all these stories on LinkedIn or on the internet where recruiters are being called out for their stupidness, for doing certain things. And unfortunately, I believe that the majority of recruiters really does good work and really wants to do well for the company they work for, for the clients they deal with, for the candidates they represent. And yet, there's just a few. Idiots out there that they can't understand that ripping someone else's head off because they are an industry peer is going to make them look really bad. And they just keep doing it. And they they just don't realize that if you really want to promote yourself, and this is my opinion, if you want to promote yourself, stop bashing someone else. Show your true value. If bashing someone else is your value, get the fuck out of here. What are you even doing here? I just get so passionate about that and organizing these events. I love getting these people together and they collaborate and then bring thoughts together, et cetera. When I get emails from industry peers and they tell me without having checked my profile, not having an effing clue about who I am or what I do and tell me why their organization is so great and how much better they are than any other industry peer, I'm like, you're stupid. Please shut down your business and please don't help any more clients because you're just like, you shouldn't be here. What is it that brings some people to that point that they are just like, bringing our industry down and creating a negative thought about recruiters.
0: There's bad apples in every industry. And if we speak specifically to a staffing firm, it it doesn't cost anything to really just open your door and hang your shingles and you're ready to go. So we get a lot of people that should not be in the recruitment industry, but they see the really good people have a lucrative uh, living out of doing recruitment hey, I can do that. So they come in and They don't work well with other recruitment firms, they they bash them, and they don't know how to do the job. They're contacting candidates that work for the same company, uh, the example that you put on LinkedIn, or they don't personalize the message, you get the um, emails with the hello brackets first name, (laughs) and and those types of messages. There's a whole website based on recruiter fails of how much we screw up and we don't really dig in and do our job. It's very visible because it goes to a lot of people. Everyone's recruiting. Say you're an engineer, you screw up. The bridge might fall, but Mm -hmm. the general population might not know. It's, It's a different reality. So I think it's a mixture of, it's easy to get in this industry. It's everyone thinks they can do this. And they come in guns a blazing and part of their mantra is I'm better than everyone else. In reality, there's no way to prove yes or no. But Shelly, I'd be curious on your take.
1: (laughs) Yeah, haters are going to hate. Absolutely. (laughs) And you're right. Those people who have made a really good living make it look so easy. And so what's the best way is to take down your opponent by name calling? First of all, to me water off a duck's back. If somebody wants to name call, it makes them look like assholes, not the recruiter. But to your point, there is no kind of bar for getting into the recruitment business. And if you think you can just uh, jump in and start making money, yeah, good luck. Unfortunately, it does have an effect on the overall industry. I think the other big thing is because so many agency recruiters start out 100% commission, If you've got no base salary and it's like marketing, everybody thinks they know how to do marketing until you have worked with a professional marketer and then you go, oh shit, I don't know anything. It's the same thing in recruitment. So recruitment industry hires all these eager, competitive salespeople and put them on 100% commission. The top performers make it look really easy and they start throwing spaghetti at the wall. Never phone anybody back because you don't have time. If you send out a hundred messages, you don't have time to follow up with anybody. And so I think that's usually what happens is these are people that are in it for a very short period of time. They're not going to be successful. We know that and they're out, but what they leave behind is just like shit stains everywhere.
2: So both of you guys said there's no bar and there is no bar. And this is one of my passions where I'm like, I'm building a program right now. First of all, an introduction to the staffing worlds Like people that don't know anything about us, you can walk into an agency and it's, oh, this is what you're going to do. This is how much money you're going to make. It's This is what you're going to do. You're going to make so many calls. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Let's make that very clear. I think we need to get an education system. And not an RPR, I'm sorry. RPR has been around. You can write your exam every year if you don't pay your fees and it's still the same one as 10 years ago. So that's because Oh, really? Oh, and I failed to pay my fees and three years later wrote the same exam with the answers I had and I got my RPR again. CPHR has a bit of a better platform, but in Alberta, as a recruitment or staffing agency, you need to be licensed. And Mm -hmm. in that, your contract needs to... (laughs) Sorry, Serge is like, what the F? (laughs) You actually need to have in your contract with your clients a specific disclosure about how you operate as an agency. And if you don't have that signature of your client, you're not allowed to present candidates. And if you don't have the candidate acknowledgement from your candidate in a form, you're not allowed to present them. If they come, and this is the best part of it, that rule is there. Do they ever enforce it? Do they ever look at that? You just pay your every biannual fees and you say, I want to be licensed, I'll just put it on my address and that's it. But they don't enforce it. So that's why we get like the rotten apples, because people have no freaking clue what they really need to do in order to be ethical, in order to be really professional, and in order to run a good business. So I'd like to see that enforcement, because I think that will weed out 50% of all the agencies that we're dealing with, and at least it leaves the good ones behind. Anyway, yeah, that's and
0: so and To your point, like the bad apples are ruining the lot in, in this case because uh, there is so many great recruiters working in this industry for 20 years. I've been blown away by how good uh, some of these recruiters are, both in the corporate staffing side. We have some very talented people in this yeah. industry and we want those people to shine. And I'm going to give kudos to you in that sense that the Canadian Recruiter Networking Group has brought a lot of driven people together to collaborate, to make the industry better. And that's to you. Mm -hmm. You've done a great job here in Canada on that end. We've covered a ton of topics, some pretty in-depth, some are pretty controversial. It's good to have different opinions. It's good to share where we think this industry is going. So we'll... If someone is listening and wants to get a hold of you, what's the easiest way?
2: Well, there's only one Will Van Middendorp on LinkedIn, so just go there, or just at nextinternational.ca will work. Is as that well. next with one X? Any X T It's not an anti X.
1: No, there's no triple X.
2: Okay. No, and thank you guys. Like it's it's been a pleasure again, and I love you guys. You guys are doing amazing work, and what thank I love is just. It's not scripted. Like, just say it as is, And it's great mm-hmm. to have different opinions. And that's what I appreciate about you too. So please keep it up. And yeah, the only thing we censor
0: is when we say, up. So.
2: Oh. oh, beep. Okay, beep. Yeah. yeah. I still have red cheeks from that, listening to both <laughs> Shelly and Kim saying that. I was like, holy, yes. what just happened? I
0: felt really awkward. Yeah, I, I believe I really that. Thanks a lot. Such a pleasure having fun. you on.
2: Thanks. We'll talk soon. Thank you.
0: Bye. Bye.
2: What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On press box
1: Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on Press Box Access.